I guess the best way to describe paying for child support or paying for alimony is to quote a line from the band Avatar, their song Dirt I'm Buried In. An unknown destination tied up in the trunk of a stolen ride. Every April 1st, my child support increases by 2.5%. That's a ridiculous story for another time. Now, fast forward a year later, I was surprised to receive a single sentence email. Please rectify the discrepancy for the amount of time required. It was sent March 17th at 8.17pm. Quick backstory. I'm a kilt-wearing St. Patrick's Day celebrating New Yorker. What my ex might not know is that I quit drinking five years ago, which is why this is another child support red flag story. Now, the moment I saw the amount was only $487.04 a week, I was like, F me, because the child support weekly amount was supposed to be $499.22 per week, and that increase was supposed to take place 11 months and 17 days ago. So, one of my best friends, Ray, is a high-level certified accountant. I said, give me a number, brother, to make this right. So I responded to her email at 9.04 in the morning. The email said, of course, I'll check with the bank immediately. If there was an oversight, I'll cut you a check plus interest for the difference for the entire year of 2022. As the new annual increase is scheduled for next week, I'm surprised it took us both a full calendar year to realize the issue. So he had a response 13 minutes later. It says... I appreciate it. Taking into consideration this, in quotes, oversight, you have chosen court over reimbursement. Co-parenting at its finest. Chuck Kelleher and Why Daddy Never Cries are providing his podcast as a public service. I've known Chuck for 45 years, and he's neither a lawyer nor a mental health professional. He's not a doctor nor a rogue scholar by any stretch of the imagination. Chuck is simply a guy who's lived in hell for 20 years. Once he found a way out, he drew a map to help others navigate their own way home. The views and opinions expressed by Why Daddy Never Cries, employees, or our guests are their own. Guest appearance of the program do not imply an endorsement of them, their opinions, or any entity they represent. And please, for the love of God, if you have any questions or fears about your unique circumstances, please contact a lawyer, a religious leader of your choice, or a medical professional in your area. Don't fuck this up, brothers, because we're all in this together. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Voss G2, for helping small and medium-sized businesses elevate their brand perception with design. Take your brand to the next level at VossG2.com. We'd also like to thank Harry Duran and his team at Fullcast for their amazing assistance. If you're planning a podcast and you haven't contacted Fullcast, you might as well call your show Podfade. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Joe. First and foremost, I want to apologize to everyone for, for the delay and thank everybody for their well wishes. My little guy is doing great and he's recovering. We'll leave it at that. I just want to make a note. Once you've lost part of your family and you get the opportunity or the blessing to have a second shot, you make sure you're there for all the life experiences. And you definitely don't miss the ones when your family needs you. So again, thank you for the, for uh, for being here for the delay. Okay, let's get into it. Alimony, like child support, was recently invented to screw Chuck and other men over, strip them of their money, or their resources that they've earned so hard to give to a person as a reward for not finding a job outside of the family home, during a now-failed marriage. Sure, that's one way to think about it, man. 
but stick around to the end. Maybe we'll change your mind and you'll not only find a better way to look at child support and alimony, but possibly thrive paying it. All right, our episode question. What would you pay to accomplish whatever you wanted or needed to do twice a month, if not more? How much would you pay for that opportunity? That's right, brothers. When the cat's away, the mice will play. All right, we're going to start with alimony, maintenance, whatever the hell you want to call it. It's a legal obligation to provide support for the other spouse after divorce or separation. It's not modern, man. This shit dates back centuries. Ancient Mesopotamia and ancient Rome both had laws requiring husbands to financially support their wives after a divorce. And a shout out to my UK brothers I've been talking to recently, during the Middle Ages, that concept of alimony continued because the English religious courts, which had jurisdiction over marriage and divorce, began to award alimony to women. The primary purpose was to prevent poverty and ensure the wife's basic needs were met. Now in the modern era, in the 18th and 19th century, alimony laws went under significant changes, and the concept of preventing poverty turned into the shitstorm that we have today. And that's because, in many jurisdictions, alimony became more limited and was usually granted to wives who were considered injured or innocent parties in the divorce. It became the husband's misconduct, such as adultery, abandonment, and abuse, that often influenced the amount or the award of alimony, not the prevention of poverty. In the early parts of the century, alimony laws favored women because they were often financially dependent on their husbands. And yes, we all know this evolved into some gold diggers, although I'm sure the art of gold digging has existed since the dawn of time. Now think about it. We here at Why Daddy Never Cries know the horror stories. We survived the horror stories because we lived the horror stories for 20 years. And that's why we tell our guys to think about life with a rational head. What the hell else were wives and mothers to do after divorce? Women didn't have many opportunities, man. Or they didn't even have a support system to believe in themselves, other than little local networks. Though I guess none of us really had support systems until the 70s. And don't get me wrong, many men still don't have support systems readily available today. Listen, we control the workforce, brothers. A guy could get a job. It could be a shitty job, but a guy could get a job. So unless you wanted the mother of your children work in the oldest profession... How are these ladies supposed to survive? And yes, most of us could give a flying F what happens to our ex. And I can tell you firsthand that during my 20 years of getting kicked in the balls, I've dreamt up a couple of really vivid storylines. Now, I'm a writer, and I thought they would make me feel better. It doesn't. Sure as hell not long term. So stop thinking this way. Start thinking about how your kids look at their mother. Right now, your ex treats you, as my brother Andrew puts it, like an enemy for life. But I love my children, and they love their mom. And if something were to happen to their mom, it would break my children's heart. And my kids won't have their hearts broken on my watch. And they sure as shit won't have it because of me. Oh, and for the record, I said dreamt. Not planned, not spoken to anyone about, not researched. So if any of you artifice accusations of domestic violence or AADV practitioners are listening, don't go filing a fake police report. Nobody's in any danger here. Well, except perpetrators of domestic violence. Okay, back to the history lesson. As more women entered the workforce, alimony laws changed. Although in some courts and some judges and magistrates, a husband's misconduct was still beneficial to the wife's decision. And the 1970s had a huge impact on alimony with the introduction of no-fault divorces. 
No-fault divorce allowed a couple to dissolve their marriage without proving fault or wrongdoing. It took the, you got you out of the divorce, and we just don't get along. We want to move on with our lives. As a result, the concept of alimony shifted as a financial disparity between the spouses, their earning potentials, and the duration of the marriage. What really bothered me is knowing that the concept of no-fault divorce was adopted in California in 1960, and the last state to do so was my home state of New York in 2010. That shows you how F the system is. It took that long for New York State to stop feeding the machine. So why the opposition of no-fault divorce in New York State? Online tells you that historically, New York had stricter divorce laws compared to other states, and they required fault-based grounds such as adultery, abandonment, or cruelty to even obtain a divorce. Some of the arguments against no-fault divorce in New York included that right, they believe divorce should be a last resort, and making it easier would only negatively impact children. Okay. Uh, that no-fault divorce would devalue the sanctity of marriage, that was the religious right, and go against religious beliefs. Don't get me started with the separation of church and state. And now, this is the best. Critics were concerned that economically disadvantaged spouses, or the ones who may have sacrificed career opportunities to support the marriage, they argued that no-fault divorce could lead to unfair financial outcomes and increase inequalities. So they decided to continue with an alimony and child support programs established decades earlier. You know, a system where the entire family goes bankrupt in the court proceedings because it was better for the children if their parents made up allegations about each other in order to attain separation than just split because they realized they weren't working out. Whatever. Today, alimony laws vary by jurisdiction, but they generally aim to provide financial support to the disadvantaged spouse. The amount and duration has changed a lot. You got to check your local area to find out how long alimony lasts. Some places are for life. Other places are just for the duration of the marriage. My divorce started in 2005 and didn't finish until 2007. Because New York State had that one-year waiting rule, I was told at the time it was to see if the couples could rectify their issues. But I truly believe divorce would melt clients of a year's worth of litigation money. And that's an episode for another day. At the end of the day, alimony laws in the United States can vary by state, but there are some common principles and factors that come into play. Alimony is typically awarded to the spouse who's financially disadvantaged or dependent on the other person. The purpose is to help them maintain the standard of living of what they were used to in marriage. Now, they're going to have a couple different types of alimony. Temporary alimony, and this is your, I'll call it your taster's choice, because once you get on your temporary alimony, you get a little, 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 little taste what it's going to be like paying child support and alimony. They tell you, come to court with X amount every week, and you start doing that. Rehabilitative alimony is granted for a specific period, so the spouse can gain some education, training, or employment. Permanent alimony, which I think Florida just got rid of, is to be awarded on long-term or permanent basis, especially in marriages of long duration when the spouse is unable to provide for themselves. Reimbursement alimony which I like this one, it kind of makes sense, is a type of alimony that's awarded to compensate a spouse who supported the other person during education, training, or career advancement. I knew a very smart woman who, when she moved in with a guy, she was going back to school. She took out a student loan to not only cover her books and her school, but also room, board, rent. She covered her share of the food. And even though they were living together, no matter what happened, and they did break up, she's not on the hook for owing him anything. Very smart woman. Shout out. All right, man. So now is alimony fair? Well, you know that that all depends on who you ask. Some people argue that it addresses financial disparity between the spouses after divorce or separation. 
and others consider it an outdated concept that perpetuates dependence and create, I like that line, by the way, it perpetuates dependence and creates an ongoing financial burden for the paying spouse. The intention is to strike a balance between providing necessary support and ensuring fairness to both parties. I guess whether it's fair or not depends on who's cutting the check and who's receiving it. And I hate to say it, but consult legal professionals and consider the very, very, very specific details of your unique circumstances and protect your ass. Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, his wife received 4% of his company worth approximately $36 billion. When I was making 11 to $13 per hour, my ex asked the judge for $20 a week in alimony. This particular judge denied her. We hear at White Daddy Never Cries, we not only talk about the good things, but we also talk about our mistakes and opportunities for other dads to choose a different road on their journey. Here's the story. I love the concept of marketing, and at one point, I wanted to be an advertising executive. Not having any direct advertising experience with a reputable New York City advertising firm, I had a snowball's chance of hell of landing a job, but I sent out a bunch of resumes regardless. Now, cut to a year later, and my soon-to-be ex-wife filed for divorce. I was alone in our apartment because at the time, my ex and kids were now living in a domestic violence shelter in Manhattan. So I did what any dad would do. I went out to get the mail. Man, I had forgotten not only that I applied for these jobs, but I also went on some interviews. Well, I must have said something right because I received an offer to work for a Times Square ad company and they were going to pay me 80 grand a year salary. There I was standing on a street corner in Crown Heights with the golden ticket. 90% of our marital issues stem from the fact of me not making enough money to support our family. And now our annual household just increased by $45,000. Brothers, I must have stared at that letter for about 10 minutes, and then I threw it away for two reasons. One, being accused of artifice accusations of domestic violence really messes with your head, man. You can't think straight for a long time after being informed that you're a monster. The second reason was from the advice of a great friend of mine about how you'll be bled dry no matter what you earn. Foremost, I knew I had too many distractions and I would eventually lose my job because of this nonsense. And you know what? I was correct. Because over the next five years, the bullshit that the mediator process put me through would have cost me two different jobs had my managers at the time not been victims of horrible divorces themselves. Also, I wasn't going to start adding assets during a divorce proceeding. Now, Have I done this? Yeah. Sometimes I've wondered what life would have been like if my ex had only waited three weeks before she pulled that I'll show you and moved to a shelter stunt. Would knowing our financial situation changed have saved my marriage? I just doubled my salary plus. And then I come to my senses and I remind myself that everything happens for a reason. And had she waited, I'd be on the hook for a lot more than $500 a week in child support. So what do you guys think? Is there anybody out there defrauding the system? (laughs) Yeah, it's okay to laugh. Like any system, there's fraud and abuse. You know, they actually have a name for it. It's called alimony scams. This is when individuals manipulate and exploit the system for their personal gain. They know this exists. You think they put people in prison who abuse it? Probably not. Here are a few examples of some alimony scams. Some spouses may fraudulently claim to be dependent when they're not. That way they get a higher alimony payment. Some spouses hide their alimony or their assets so they can pay less. The phantom employment scam involves a spouse falsely claiming to be unemployed or underemployed just so they get higher alimony payments. Marriage fraud. 
people actually get married just to get an alimony payment? Never had any intentions of staying in the marriage? What? And then, of course, there's alimony extortion, where the spouse threatens to reveal damaging information or make false accusations to get a higher payment in court. Of course, all these are crimes, and they're all said to carry jail time. But again, try finding a single person convicted or even tried. To me, one of the biggest tragedies of the system is when a spouse allows their partner to live their dream. Ever since I was a little girl, I wanted to stay home and raise the kids. That marital agreement. And then when the kids hit school age, that spouse refuses to go back to work and now becomes a burden on the person who allowed their dream to come true. They say the system tries to prevent and address alimony thieves by requiring financial disclosure, conducting investigations, and allowing modifications and terminations to alimony orders, right? Well, as I was just starting down this hell highway, I asked a great friend of mine what his divorce cost. He replied, I'm going to say it was something like $278,536.84. Then when I said, bro, that's a very specific number, he just put his head down. Yep, it was the exact equity in my home. You decide who's benefiting from this system. It sure as hell isn't the kids. And that's why I turned down my dream job of being an ad exec. So, are modern-day lawyers to blame for this nightmare? No, man, not entirely. We in modern society are to blame for this nightmare. We must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. Elie Wiesel When was the last time you heard a politician speak out against artifice accusations of domestic violence? When was the last time you heard a politician speak out against domestic violence where men are the victims? We're not silent anymore, brothers. We're not silent about artifice accusations of domestic violence, alienation, all this other shit that's been dumped on us. We're keeping families together, and we're going to scream until they listen. The involvement of lawyers in divorce cases can be tracked back to ancient times as well. Again, not a new concept. Although it's really hard to pinpoint the exact time, the invention of a legal professional is nothing new to our species. In ancient Roman Greece, divorce proceedings were handled by legal authorities or religious figures. In the United States, for example, by the early 20th century, divorce cases were increasingly handled by lawyers. As divorce laws became more complex and formalized. Because it's hard. If you've ever tried to read comprehend and navigate divorce law. It's like having a second or third job. Now try doing it when you're going through this shit. And not just a divorce. Now you've been accused of being a monster. How are you going to wrap your head around this stuff? Sure, I've had good and bad experiences with lawyers. Some understood me and made me feel important. Others yelled at me and made me feel like a piece of shit. Others want to know how much money I had before we even proceeded. Now, the ones I hired... One common trait they all had is that they could turn on their legal beast mode in a second. And if I had enough money, I would have had custody of my children. Because of the three different legal companies I've retained to date, my ex wasn't able to erase me from my kids' lives. Of course, I'm still in massive debt. But since this last podcast, I've spoken to my children and we're planning to get together for an overnight at my house in the end of August. Listen, I'm sending hugs and hope to all my brothers just starting this shit. It's never going to be perfect, but life can still be amazing. 
Legally, my children and I are supposed to get together for a month every summer. That only happened once. Coincidentally, it was the first summer the courts allowed the kids to stay at my house for a month. It was also the year I remarried. Now, whether the cause was either scenario, we never spent another month together. Actually, after that, our weekends together were canceled more and more often until both the kids were emancipated. Here's where you make the choice, brothers and sisters. Do you refuse to see your kids because you don't get what you want? Or do you take the day as a blessing and every interaction as a chance to build on your relationship with your kids? I did the latter. You take every second you have with your kids as a blessing and you try to make it count. You don't have to put 10 pounds of shit in a 5-pound bag. You don't have to teach them everything at once because I tried it. Trying to give them life lessons 24-7 when they're around me doesn't work. These are definitely lessons for another podcast, but it's okay. You're trying to be a dad, and you're trying to survive, and you're trying to navigate. But now you have a support system, and we're going to get through this together. Now, you got to remember one thing. Kids are innocent. And even if, as they grow, they might have taken a side. Chances are, they did take sides. And it probably wasn't ours. But you got to remember something, man. You really got to remember this. They're trying to navigate and survive this shit as well. Before I was even thinking about getting married, I don't remember where I heard this story. It happened when I was a kid. There was a father being reconnected with his children who had accused him of sexually abusing them when they were young. The guy did something like 10 years in prison, and the only reason he got out was his kids came forward saying they had lied. I forget why they lied, but they lied. I remember the father being angry with these kids and the kids saying, I was young, I was just a baby, I didn't know any better, but he didn't forgive them. I got to imagine it's not easy being in prison as short eyes, as a child molester. But your kids are innocent. Hearing that story made me keep my guard up. Not because I didn't trust my kids, because I didn't want them to be put in a position where they could be made to lie to make somebody else feel better or to forward someone else's agenda. That did put a strain on our relationship, but one horror story leads to another. So take some advice, brothers. Life is short. See your kids when you can. Told my brothers that we'll be hearing soon from. The guys who don't have contact with their little ones, hang in their daddies. You're not alone. And hopefully, we're going to figure something out for each and every one of you. I know you know the mantra. I am daddy. I've got this. I am daddy. I've got this. Keep saying it over and over in your head. Look yourself in the eyes in the mirror and say it. Every morning. Every night. Say it over and over again in the car. I mean, maybe don't say it walking down the street. Unless you're in, unless you're in New York or LA. Then nobody will notice. All right, lads, here we go. Alimony can end soon, or be non-existent at all. Alimony is paying the person who broke your heart, stole your children, and destroyed your dreams of seeing your family when you leave and come home from work every morning. Fuck alimony, brothers. Our focus here is being in our kids' lives, and you're going to have to show the courts that you're the man for the job. So what about child support? What is it? Well, the name is self-explanatory. It's a law that requires the non-custodial parent to provide support for their children's upbringing. And guess what? Not new either. It has a history spanning several centuries as well. Here's a general overview of the history of child support. 
early practices, back to ancient Mesopotamia and Rome, laws existed to ensure that the parents, particularly the fathers, are responsible for maintaining the children's support. Then you got English poor laws of the 16th century. These laws mandated the biological father provide financial support for their children if their mothers lacked the means to do so. In the early 19th century in the U.S., child support began to gain legal recognition. States started passing laws that made parents legally responsible for supporting their children. And here's where it became a crime. In the late 19th century, early 20th century, there was a shift in the government's involvement in child support. The aim was to ensure that children receiving financial support from the non-custodial parent got it. So state agencies and courts were given the authority to establish and enforce child support orders. In the 1970s, they took steps to address child support issues comprehensively. The passage of the Child Support Enforcement and Parental Establishment Program in 1975 established the Federal Office of Child Support Enforcement, or OCSE. And this program provides federal funding to states to develop child support enforcement systems and establish guidelines for determining child support obligations. States get federal money. Follow the money, people. The Uniform Interstate Family Support Act, or UIFSA, was introduced in 1996 to address issues related to child support enforcement across state lines. It's a standardized procedure for establishing the enforcement and support orders when parties involved reside in different states. Now, try searching for resources to help non-custodial parents, and the majority of information you'll find is how to collect from deadbeats. Not guys who lost their jobs nor a system to report wives for using child support as extra spending money and ignoring the children. There's plenty of resources out there to show you how to collect what you're owed. Sounds a lot like our first episode on finding resources for men who are victims of domestic violence. Seen a pattern here yet? A lot of resources for getting, not many for helping. Over time, the child support guidelines have been refined, and they're updated to ensure fairness and reflect changes in society norms and economic circumstances. States have established guidelines to consider such factors as parents' income, the number of children, cost of raising children, etc., etc. However, in order to make any changes, you're going to have to pay the court their vig. I was told by a number of lawyers, you can pay her or you can pay me. And I always chose to pay her because I thought the money would better serve my children. Unfortunately, in my case, that just led to more and more court cases over fraudulent accusations of me owing money. When I finally did pay the attorney, and not her, as of the date of this show, it was the last time she took me back to court. I guess the best way to describe paying child support or paying for alimony well is to quote a line from the band Avatar, their song, The Dirt I'm Buried In, and that is, I've got no destination, tied up in a trunk of a stolen ride. It was March 28th, 2022. I'll never forget that day, man. We learned generationally changing medical news about my infant daughter. I pretended to be strong as I held my wife as she cried. Of course, we didn't do it in front of the kids. When she wiped her eyes, threw some water on her face, and went to check on the babies, I found a secluded spot, called my dad, and then I cried. Every April 1st, my child support increases by 2.5%, whether I get a raise or lose my job. But that's a ridiculous story for another time. Now fast forward a year later. My ex and I never speak. I haven't seen her face in years. And if you get one thing from this show, it's that blissful miracles do happen. So hang in there, daddies. You've got this. It's a waiting game. 
That's why I was surprised to receive an email from her on March 17th at 8.17 p.m. asking if the increase was ever added to this year's child support. Quick backstory. I'm a kilt-wearing, St. Patrick's Day celebrating New Yorker. Does my ex know this? Well, we purchased said kilt for our wedding, and I've worn it every St. Patrick's Day since, from Toronto to Colorado and back to New York. So, here I see a let's send Chuck an email about a child support issue on a notoriously high alcohol content day, and maybe we'll get him to respond without thinking, or if nothing else, we'll just ruin his day. What my ex might not know is that I quit drinking five years ago, which is why this is another child support red flag story. You're going to have to learn to recognize the timing of your life's events. If things happen once, maybe twice, it could be, it could be considered a coincidence. After that, it's an effing pattern. Once you identify these trends, you can put yourself in a better place and not let well-timed emails or other nonsense interfere with or derail your family celebrations or traditions anymore. So I laughed at her attempt to get a drunken response out of me and waited till Monday, 3.20, to even read the email. Listen, ignoring the nonsense is going to take a lot of practice. A lot of practice. Start working on it. Don't become Pavlov's dog engaging in their shit. You're going to find, especially with this new data age where texts and emails, if you do have access to your kids, a lot of this shit is going to happen when you're with them. Anyway, it was a single sentence email entitled, Support Adjustment. Inside, please rectify the discrepancy for the amount of time required. The moment I saw the amount of 487.04 per week, F me. I was supposed to be paying $499.22 per week. And that increase was supposed to begin 11 months and 17 days ago. That's almost a full year. Obviously, I forgot to add the increase because I was overwhelmed by the devastating news from that year. Okay, solutions, not problems, daddies. Solutions, not problems. This is what we do. We create solutions. We don't create problems. So, if you don't have one, start a support group, get one in place. And man, if you need help, feel free to email us at whydaddynevercries at gmail.com. Whydaddynevercries at gmail.com. And we'll try to connect you with some guys in your area or see what we can figure out together. Now, one of my best friends, Ray, is a high-level certified accountant. He likes to go on long walks on the beach at night and butterflies before a rainstorm. But I digress. I called Ray and I simply said, Give me a number to make this right, brother. He jumped into action and calculated the difference with a monthly compounded high-yield interest. At first, I balked at using the higher percentage, but you don't tell a master chef how to make something taste fantastic. A bit of advice, brothers. If you want to correct a mistake, doing the bare minimum isn't the path for an honest, good-faith effort look. You got to go above and beyond and do it without being told. The total amount I owed, plus the high-yield interest, was $645, and I rounded it up. Again, you don't make it this far staying in your kids' lives by squabbling over actual pennies. Round up. Now, don't get me wrong. If this was still 2006, and I was still sleeping inside an abandoned ice machine inside JFK Airport just to make ends meet, coming up with $600 might as well have been me coming up with $6 million. All right, I get it. Depending on what you owe, it makes a world of difference. Now that I had my answers from Ray, I responded to her email. It's at 9.04 in the morning. 
Remember, the timing is important. Uh, so I wrote, Of course, I'll check with the bank immediately. If there was an oversight, I'll cut you a check plus interest for the difference for the entire year of 2022, as the new annual increase is scheduled for next week. Surprisingly, it took us both a full calendar year to realize the issue. I received an email response at 9.17, 13 minutes later. I appreciate it. Taking into consideration this oversight, in quotes, and your flat-out refusal to reimburse me for non-disputable shared expenses, tuition, college expenses, flights, passport, renewals, college applications, etc., 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 blah, 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 blah. I don't trust you to be honest or to keep your word. You have chosen court over reimbursement. Child Support Collections Unit will ensure this doesn't occur again. It can be rectified at the same time we go to court for shared expenses. On that email chain, I responded, If you followed our agreement, a.k.a. the New York State Court Stipulation, and I have not reimbursed you, mea culpa, please show me so I can make it right. If you have chosen not to follow the stipulation, it doesn't mean I have to stop following the stipulation. As per my calculations, I have zero outstanding bills owed to you. Miraculously, she emails back 10 minutes later. Appreciate the information. I've sent you several receipts for reimbursement. As we both have different opinions, a judge will have to decide, because God knows you got to feed the beast. We need to switch how child support is paid as well to avoid the issues previously addressed. And yes, why Daddy Never Cries is having a Navigating Shared Expenses and Shared Expenses Fraud episode. Because we got them stories too, brothers. Alright, once she pulled out the thread of court, which seems to be in every other email, I was in no hurry to email her back. Plus... I try to drive down to see my kids once a week so I could just drop the check off. That Monday, 3.27, at 8.05 in the morning, I emailed her explaining the amount she was receiving for that $12.18 per week oversight. At the end of that email, I, I finished it up with, as per your perceived threats, do what you have to. I've followed our agreement. You have not. Our stipulation allows us to countersue the other if we are being harassed for unnecessary court issues. I will exercise this option this time. Please have the common courtesy to let me know when I'm being served. Then at 3.20 p.m., I emailed her from my phone that I dropped off the missing difference check and had already started the next year's increase of 2.5%. Including asking for a confirmation email, she has never responded to a single email or question or any other court-ordered information she's supposed to provide. Co-parenting at its finest. That was until my child's school sent me a request for money for an upcoming school event. When I responded to school and copied my ex, per the co-parenting orders of our New York State court-ordered divorce stipulation, she responded via email 15 minutes later. Every situation and person involved in this shit is unique, so you're going to have to know your ex-partner. I thought mine would eventually understand the benefits of both loving parents in their kids' lives. I was very wrong. And that brings us here to the Why Daddy Never Cried podcast. And now I'm the author of various books and novels. My first macaroni necklace will soon be available online and is a short story for helping dads navigate a trying daddy weekend. My first novel, The Great Child Heist by Caden Michaels, is currently ready for the editorial stage. If you know a good affordable editor, hit me up. Anyway, everything happens for a reason. You can't change the past. You can't change what happened. So figure out how to make it work for you. Now, how much child support is too much? In talking to people, you hear a wide range of money exchanging hands. Personally, this year, I'm paying $511.70 per week. 
Online, you can find people struggling to pay $110, and if these folks don't have enough stress, people are criticizing them for being petty. Sometimes you hear, she wants me to pay X amount per month. Is that a good deal? Well, let's ask Braveheart himself, Mel Gibson, the American actor and filmmaker. In 2011, Gibson's ex-girlfriend was awarded child support settlement for $750,000 as part of their custody agreement for their daughter. For argument's sake, let's say his daughter hadn't been born before the settlement was finalized, and Mel was on the financial hook for the next 22 years. Paying a total sum of $750,000 comes out to $656 per week. Therefore, if you gasped at the amount of child support I pay each week, think about it. If I complained, Mel would laugh in my face. Don't criticize people, because you don't know what they have in their pockets. What you should know is that on occasion, I've had to borrow money from friends and family to pay child support. What I know is that nobody out there cares, except the people experience this nonsense and trying to do the right thing. Despite the fact that they monitor your entire life, you're now held to a piece of paper that tells you when and where you can see your kids. At any moment, child services could show up at your house and go through your home. And of course, you always have to provide financial records because you could be lying about money that they, that's owed. Child support payments are typically not subject to strict monitoring or oversight. Once the payments are made, it's ultimately up to the custodial parent to allocate the funds in the best interest of the child. Why? Because the custodial parent is responsible for managing the child's day-to-day expenses. And who usually gets that award? The mom. Now, if there are disagreements and concerns about how child support funds are being used, they tell you if you have legitimate concerns, because whatever. If you feel the child's needs are not being met, you can go back to court. Now, this is what the Cracker Jack courts offer. The non-custodial parent or other concerned parties can seek legal resources to request an accounting of how the child support funds are being spent or to modify the child support agreement. That's if you can find a free resource for dads. A free forensic accountant will drop everything for your court case. And if you get your ex to actually give you her finances, maybe in a year's time, after all the courts and the the dates and the delays and getting another date and another delay, the court will just tell her to do better. And then the process starts all over again. And good luck proving anything a second time. I was in Brooklyn Family Court, and I shit you not, this woman came there in an evening gown, wearing jewels, holding her three average-dressed kids' hands. And when the dad got there, he was covered head-to-toe in grease, wearing a mechanic's one-piece work suit, and he looked like he hadn't slept in days. If you feel your ex is misusing child support funds, they advise you to consult with legal professionals who can guide you through the process <laughs> and help protect the best interest of the child. In other words, feed the family court machine. Because when you try to go to the child support agency for information, at least in New York, looking for help, the only information offered is, like we said, how to collect money from the deadbeats. It's real bullshit, man. Because there's nothing available to help anyone whose kids are losing out to the other parent's greed. Not without costing you money first. At the end of the day, the general expectation is that child support payments should be used to meet the child's needs. And of course, the United States has strict enforcement measures, including possible jail time, for child support non-payments or related issues. Some of the states with high child support enforcement, Texas, Florida, Georgia, California, Illinois, New York, you can all lose your driver's license, your driver's license will be suspended, and there's possible jail time. Georgia, I believe it is, actually will withhold uh, income and property liens. If you think child support doesn't affect your life, think of this. 
In 2015, Walter Scott was pulled over for a routine traffic stop in South Carolina. He fled on foot, and during the pursuit, the cop shot and killed him. So why did Mr. Scott run? They said he tried to run because he was, had a broken taillight, but it later came out that he was concerned about being arrested for outstanding child support issues. I don't know why Mr. Scott was behind in child support, but the system put him in a situation that cost him his life. We're told the primary goal of child support is to ensure that children receive the financial support they require. The enforcement mechanisms are intended to encourage compliance and hold parents accountable, because unless you're held accountable, most people won't do stuff willingly. The issue is they still lump everyone under the same bullshit deadbeat umbrella, and you also have to pay someone to clear your name. Here's a story of warning. Luckily, I was aware of the carrot on a stick and the pitfall to follow. October 2005. My wife took a trip to Canada to visit her mother, and as it now became the norm, the trip ran later than planned. So that meant this family memory that was soon to be missed was my kids spending Halloween away from me. Now, I couldn't afford a ticket to go up there, so I had to take a second job working on a loading dock in Brooklyn, New York. It was a night job. As we were unloading the trucks, I saw a co-worker stealing food from one of the boxes. He hid in a dark corner and savagely devoured it. When he noticed me, he paused. And man, the look in his eyes was a blend of shame and survival. I had enough problems, so I just walked away. Later, he tried to explain himself to me. I told him, listen, man, forget about it. I won't say anything. Whoever, the dude needed to talk, so I listened to his stories about his divorce. His name was Brian, and he worked as a financial manager during the day. He had to take this job because the courts gave his entire real job paycheck to his ex-wife. This guy shows me his pay stub, his recent pay stub. No joke. The paycheck was only for 37 cents. Effing 37 cents. Probably cost more to freaking print the damn thing. He said that nine years ago, his ex-wife asked if he could start paying his child support and alimony in cash. She said she was having a hard time getting to the bank to deposit the checks. He laughed and told me the real reason was that she didn't want to report the alimony on her income taxes. In return, she offered him more time with their children than the cookie-cutter court standard of every other weekend, plus the Wednesday night for dinner. Public service announcement. If you think the courts take every case individually, then why do most men get the exact same access time with their kids? To keep the peace, but mostly to see his kids more, Brian agreed. He said everything was great up until about three years ago when he fell in love with an awesome and successful woman. When they decided to get married, he introduced her to his kids. Now, he waited the full year to introduce her to his children for the obvious reasons, and, as he suspected, his kids loved her. Exactly one week later, his ex-wife went to family court and reported that Brian hadn't paid her any money over the past six years. And by paying her in cash, Brian didn't have any documented proof. The courts only took the word of his ex, and now the Child Support Enforcement Agency garnishes his wages. Not only do they take the money for this week's alimony and child support, but they were also deducting for the last six years he failed to pay, plus interest. It wasn't long before he lost his three-bedroom apartment, and it wasn't long after that before the stress caused him to lose his job and his fiancée left him. Random night jobs barely covered his rent of this single room in a communal home with a shared bathroom. Because if he couldn't prove he had a residence near where the children lived, the courts would consider him homeless, 
he would lose any visitation overnight with his three children. He thought about running away, but he said he'd never abandon his family. And in hindsight, he said it didn't matter, because his little ones hated coming to his place. They didn't like the fact that they had to share a bathroom, but he kind of felt it was something else. They had came for their first court-ordered visit, but since then, he hadn't seen him in months. Every other weekend, Brian still got the room ready for his kids in the, hope that, in the hopes they'd come. However, he said he couldn't afford to feed them that weekend unless he cut out a few extras for himself, like food. When I said, what do you mean, like food? He said on the weeks the kids are coming, he eliminated eating lunch every day and only had dinner three nights a week, so he'd have enough money to feed them. We're all in this together, people. We all want what's truly best for our children, and that's allowing them to have a meaningful relationship with both their parents. When our ex-partner feels that we are no longer needed, we start to feel like an ATM. It sucks. But don't confuse being in your children's lives with the demands your ex makes. I recently saw a video of a guy telling his young children he wasn't coming to get them because their mother took everything from him. And they should ask her if they needed anything. Stop asking him. I know you're hurting, brother. But that was the wrong approach. I could hear it in your kids crying. I hear, I heard it in your crying voice. But I could hear it in their crying voice as well. You're the daddy. You've got this. Brother, if you are hearing this, email me at whydaddyneverCries at gmail. Stay in your kids' lives no matter what. Kids need dads, man. And it can't be about money. Sometimes you're not going to have the money. And that's going to feel like a nightmare. Some of the best advice I was given was that when my children are emancipated and I would no longer have to pay child support, I would receive a 25% raise. And that money would come at a time when I'm at the end of my working career and after I've spent a long time learning to live on only 75% of my earnings. Decades, in fact. This is a very bright light at the end of this particular tunnel, gentlemen. I know guys on the other side of the child support tunnel. And guess what? They've purchased a boat, or a new house, or their dream car. They go on vacations. Some of them even retire on the spot. Life after child support and alimony is beautiful. Be there for it. Now, at the beginning of the show, I asked, what would you pay to accomplish whatever you wanted or needed twice a month, if not more? Now, in order to do that, you're going to need to think of child support in an entirely new way. Think of it as babysitting money. Uh-huh. That's right. Babysitting money. Do a quick internet search, and it'll say the average babysitter costs between $14 and $25 an hour. I think that's the national average. And that's to have some stranger watch your children. What I did was I considered my ex a glorified babysitter, and I used my forced time away from my children to grow and better my life. Sometimes I would go out and meet people. No need to go into details there, brothers, but you get the point. Not having anybody at home, when you come home, the house is yours. Other times, I worked to make a little extra money. Now, in the beginning, that extra money barely covered the bills. But eventually, that extra money started paying for family vacations. On days when I had no place to go or anyone to meet, instead of sitting home sulking, I used those days as personal growth days or learning something new days. Or on days when I did nothing, I called them re-energizing days. Now, if I paid a babysitter the median cost of that 14 to 25, we're talking $19.50 an hour, what do we do here? We round up because we don't, we don't count pennies. So $20 an hour for easy math, that means it would cost me $480 per day to have someone watch my kids. 
Now keep in mind, you hire a babysitter. At the end of the day, in the family court's eyes, you're still responsible for how that person's treating your children. $480 a day, which comes out to $3,360 a week. I'd have to pay that in order for me to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted it, and still be seen as a good father, well, as far as the system lets us be. In fact, you're seen as the best father in this shitty system because I'm still there every other weekend and taking them out to dinner every Wednesday night. That said, my brothers, you would have to pay someone conservatively $5,500 every two weeks to look after your kids. But that doesn't include feeding your kids. You see where I'm going with this? Mastering this is not an overnight process. But you, Mel Gibson and I, have nothing to complain about. Because we have full-time, accountable babysitters watching our kids. While we do whatever the fuck we want to do. If you left your kids alone all this time to go do other things, you'd be a pathetic parent. Now, is this the life I wanted for me and my children? Hell no. But I can't change what happened. So how did I make it work for me? By pretending their mother is nothing more than a babysitter while I'm going out and, well, making new friends. And then, when I found my new best friend, my current wife, for lack of a better separating wife terms, I used that spare time to make myself a better man, a better father, and a better husband. And brothers, sisters, if you pay close attention, so can you. Quick recap. Today we learned a brief history of alimony and child support. We learned about how failure to pay could result in it being even more difficult to make ends meet. We learned that the prize at the end of our child support tunnel is a financial increase, one's the like we've never seen, at a time when we know how to spend money well. We've learned that we can't change what happened, so we better start looking at our time away from our kids differently. And if we want to be the superheroes they someday deserve, we better become the superheroes that we need to be. We must get our voices out there. Send us your stories to Why Daddy Never Cries at Gmail or Why Daddy Never Cries on Facebook. Remember, this is a daily and sometimes hourly struggle. So follow us on Daddy Never Cries at Twitter and Why Daddy Never Cries on Instagram and let your voice be heard. Let's end the fatherless children's syndrome that's plaguing this world. When life gave me lemons, I said to hell with the glass. I'm making an international lemonade franchise. You can't change what happened to you, brothers. So figure out how to make it work for you and your children. Until next time, take a deep breath. You've got this, Daddy. Don't show me.